everyone. Uh, my name is Srinath. Um, I'm a junior currently who lives in Loudoun County in Northern Virginia. Uh, I'm here with my good friend, uh, Anane, um, who's also a junior. And today we just want to talk a little bit about youth advocacy um, and how it impacted the election and why you guys should get involved. So Anane, you are, if you want to take over. Uh, so for youth advocacy, if we just look at stats right now, um, the youth voter turnout it increased in 2020. Um, when we look at it in 2016, um, it was from 42 to 44 percent the youth voter turnout was, but now in 2020, it's estimated to be around 52 percent to 55 percent. Um, so from, uh, as we look from uh, Tufts, we can see that this is a clear increase of youth voters and possibly due to youth advocacy. Um, if we're gonna look by state by state, um, our state right behind Georgia is the second most of where youth share of all votes, votes casted. So it's around 20%, I would say right now. And Georgia was 20% too. So uh, this is kind of an example of showing that how marginalized Virginia might have impacted this election voter turnout by youth advocacy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's really important, especially uh, in any democratic process, getting the youth involved, uh, not just to vote, but, uh, you know, to support uh, come out and encourage people to vote. That's that's also extremely important. Uh, and often we hear this like rhetoric uh, on social media and online platforms that you know like we're under 18, right? And um, our vote has no impact. But it, you know, speaking out, uh, reaching out, speaking your voice, letting your voice be heard, encouraging people to vote that that really has an impact. And if I'm not wrong, Anane, I'm pretty sure there's some studies to prove that in fact uh, encouraging people to vote um, and giving them kind of more encouragement to go out and take part in a democratic process. It, it really, uh, it really does have a real effect, um, and I think that's something. Uh, it's really successful, and uh, it, it's 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 a positive net good. So, what are your thoughts uh, in general, and also specifically uh, in terms of like the voter turnout in general of this election, like just the sheer amount of people who came out to vote? Um, I think. I think this was uh, youth voter turnout was not just for the winning side. It was also for um, our president, Donald Trump. He also collected an enormous amount of youth vote, youth votes. So like, for example, in Georgia, um, we had youth votes for Biden at 596,000, but also for Donald Trump, we had 408,000. So that's like for both sides, they still, it still turned out very strong. And this is due to youth advocacy from both sides. And I think, one of the strongest reasons why you need to advocate at such a young age, even though you can't vote, is because for that reason, you can't vote, you might as well go out and influence others who can vote. So as a high schooler, I'm sitting here, I can't vote right now, I'm 17, but I can use my voice to help encourage others to vote. And not only that, make change and co uh, cooperate with others. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like, especially in the year, like shaped by such, you know, drastic events, uh, encouraging people to vote, um, Hold, like, I mean, you can't hold public office, but we can definitely hold people accountable. It's extremely crucial to, uh, you know, the process of public law, democracy, uh, and justice in general. So uh, what we've done, especially here at March for Our Lives, which we'll talk about a little bit later, I think it's, it's quite impressive. Um, and it's, it's really, our, our, our voice has made an impact, right? So it's time to get over the rhetoric that you can't be politically active as a student, and it's time to get out there uh, help people um, and make a difference. And you know, like just because the elections are over does not mean that political activism is over, right? It's it's ongoing process. You can lobby, uh, you can speak to your representatives, you can make your voice heard. And that's one, one of the things that we've been fortunate with, at least in this country. 
uh, is that we have the opportunity to to talk to our peoples in office uh, and, and the fight doesn't end here. Um, if there's things, you have grievances, if there's things that you think should be implemented, uh, even on the local, state, or federal level, uh, absolutely, I 100% recommend going out there and, um, and, and, and getting it done, right? It's, uh, that's, that's the whole point of democracy at the end of the day. Doesn't matter how old you are, your background, whatever, like you wanna make your voice heard. Uh, and I think that's something we can both agree on. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think one of the clear evidence that youth advocacy has worked is through the Black Lives Matter movement that sparked this year heavily. Um, if you look at it, one of the main causes of just this increase of youth letter turnout, and not only that, but also Black Lives Matter movement protesters because of social media. If we look at it, uh, when I was on social media during the Black Lives Matter movement, when it was just skyrocketing, I saw tons of uh, just my people in my grade just posting links, posting for us to, you know, strive for racial justice. And it's just like offering advice for safe protesting matters. You know, it's just all of these things combined help to make sure that um, we can we can grow as a community for making change. And without that voice being heard, if one person says, I don't want my voice to be heard because I won't make a difference. This could be millions of kids and millions of people that just don't express their voice because they think they themselves can't just make a difference because they're just one person. Right, absolutely. I mean, a movement is, has to be constituted of a bunch of people, and especially with a movement so powerful and uh, as the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, it, the efforts that we all made as a community and especially as the youth voter block, which actually in truth probably overwhelmingly supports the racial justice movement. Uh, we've made some pretty significant strides. Uh, there have been tons of legislation. Uh, I mean, the fight's definitely not over, but there's been uh, plenty of legislation to suggest that uh, there is real impact being made, uh, that the legislators uh, hear and understand about uh, systemic racism, uh, and then they want to make change, uh, and they want to make amends. So, uh, for example, even in Virginia, I believe they passed the Breonna Taylor Act. I'm not sure exactly about the law. Anani, do you know any specifics about that? Can you talk uh, about Yes, Governor Ralph Northam had signed that there will be no more uh, no-knock raids uh, that will take place by the law enforcement. And this is a big deal. You know, uh, through our voices being heard, we are able to make change. And not only that, we've also started to close the loopholes at gun shows for protecting uh, gun, uh, gun, gun violence. And, you know, it's like protesting against these things and trying to make change just pays off. And I would like to touch back is that youth advocacy does not mean you have to go out and protest in person. You could be sitting at home or you could be on the front lines. You're still making difference in some kind of way. As long as you make change and as long as you advocate for it, it will come to us and together we can create change. And, you know, it's, it's important for us to make change. And it's seen as in Virginia, we've, we've passed laws like the Breonna Taylor Act we've closed loopholes, we're fighting against to demilitarize law enforcement. It's all these things add up together and kind of just comes together, I think. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, it's uh, the state of situations in uh, America. I mean, it's definitely not perfect, but we've taken like significant actions. However, the fight is like far from over. And, you know, it's time for us to get our voice heard. Like no matter what it is, like it's time for us to do the right thing. Like, for example, like even in the Brandon Bernard situation, um, there has been tons. I, unfortunately, he did pass away. Um, it's, it's really sad news, but there has been tons of people all across social media, uh, regardless of celebrities, youth like us, uh, you know, our, our voter bot, uh, coming out and talking about what is a very unfair system. Um, and this kind of uh, political advocacy actually shapes the future in many ways, right? So 
working on convincing your peers about your opinions, working on shaping public view, especially for our voter block, it will influence our future, right? Because what we decide now is going to implement our politics when we are adults, right? When we are the ones who are making decisions, when we're living in this world. So uh, spreading your opinions right now, it has an impact on your future. Uh, and it's already been shown that, you know, it's had such a successful impact. Like uh, we're looking at the criminal justice movement. Uh, we're looking at um, issues with systemic racism. We're looking at the election. Uh, I mean, the last, I would say nine or so months has really shown the power of us, even as non-voters, um, the, ch the change in public opinion we can cause. Uh, and that's, it's, it's really incredible, actually. Um, so do you have any more thoughts on that? I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's a fantastic job. And I, I, I think the fight, fight is far from over. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, you went over a lot there. Um, so like, I believe that there is still progress to make to be made, obviously, like there's the fight is still far from over. But like, it's it, we we're picking up speed. We can tell. Like, if we go uh, look at some statistics, twenty four percent of all youth when they voted, they named protests over police violence as the single most important factor. So that shows change was made. Change was literally affected to making sure that youth will vote. And these protests were not just for people to just come in and just scream and protest for what they did, they wanted. They wanted to influence others, and it's it they proved themselves. So it's like, they, people will always doubt us or doubt others for protesting, doubting, why are you expressing your, you can't even vote, why are you expressing your voice? But it's together, together, once our numbers are stronger and we can make anything happen. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely a strong message. Yeah. All right, so yeah, so now I'd just like to even pivot a little bit into the BLM movement. Uh, so it's time for the American public to recognize the inherent issues with the, the criminal justice system that targets minority communities such as the African-American communities um, and unfairly is prejudiced towards them. So it's, uh, I would just like to talk a little bit about the historicity of this issue. So it, it's time, the, the end of slavery happened around 1865, right? Uh, and since then, uh, afterwards, there's a period of reconstruction where uh, reparations were to be made for uh, what happened during the slavery era, right? So um, uh, there were attempts to, such as the 13th and 14th Amendment, which gave the African-American um, freed slaves at that time the opportunity to vote. Uh, and then subsequently, they gave them um, what were appeared to be civil rights at that time. However, uh, it was largely unsuccessful because these laws just quickly became replaced with Jim Crow legislation uh, and a police system that was created uh, specifically for the purpose of oppressing African-Americans. Uh, and then we go into the start of the 20th century where issues had not changed whatsoever. Uh, and then you look into the 1940s, up until the 1940s, public opinion was still in favor of segregation. Uh, like it's crazy how um, deep seated the issue is like 80 years after the end of slavery public opinion was still in the favor of segregation. Uh, it's just completely irrational. And part of that can be due to some pseudoscience that have been published uh, by racist theorists. Part of that can be um, kind of another like pseudo like cultural studies from the South uh, where they try to justify slavery, uh, portray African-Americans as lazy, violent. Uh, and you know, like, and then part of that is just pure racism, right? Which, uh, which is something that's, existed for practically all of issue. Like it's not something 
that the majority in this country, which is the white American populace, have created. Uh, but public opinion really shifted in favor of segregation around the 1950s, 1960s. So this is something that has really not been over for a while. Like in reality, uh, the end of what is persecution um, and pretty much modern day slavery, even though it wasn't officially uh, slavery, was the 1960s. Uh, and it's time for us to recognize that the institutional racism that was present in the 1960s continues today. Uh, through the form of implicit bias uh, in both our police justice system and in socioeconomics, where uh, African-Americans are less likely to succeed than other uh, immigrant communities uh, or even white Americans. Uh, and the distribution of income is largely in the place of the white American hands. So um, uh, it's time for us to recognize that these issues are present, uh, that we have to fix these issues. and. Um, it, the youth vote in large part, I'm just going to tie back right into the youth vote, has, has really helped uh, like create a, a kind of position where the administration, the current uh, administration that we voted in is forced to support BLM because it is an issue. Um, so it, it's, it's really, it's time for us to recognize these issues and work towards them. So what, what, what are your thoughts on that, um, systemic racism and the BLM movement in general? Yeah, I mean, systemic racism has been a problem and it still continues to be a problem. And I believe the only way to make change is to make sure that people vote, right? Because in total, when it comes to democracy, we are the people, the government is in the power of the people. And what I see from the Black Lives Matter movement is many, many people completely read the message wrong and were saying, oh, they're gonna take away our rights. This is gonna happen. Well. No, when you look at the Black Lives Matter movement, Black Lives Matter was started to make sure that Black Lives Matter. It's for us to, for them to spread their message that look, we've been, they, people have been racist to us and it hasn't stopped and there's a time to make change. And so when we look at the effect of what the protest did, it's evident, a black, the black youth in Georgia is what pushed Joe Biden into flipping the Senate, or the state, sorry. Uh, when we look at it, 90% of black youth voted for Joe Biden. And this was, this is a big deal because Georgia, if we look at it, has been predominantly Republican, if I'm correct, right, Trinoth? Yeah, yeah. Uh, historically, yeah. Um, for most of, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this, and in 90, if 90% the black youth voted for, not, for Joe Biden, 58% of all youth in Georgia, it shows that this was something that they wanted. There's something what they needed to make sure that black lives are kept safe. And when it comes to like our law enforcement, you know, being uh, systematically racist or being kind of biased, it's, it's in the role of the states to change that, right? A national government can do all they want, but when it comes to law enforcement, a lot of it comes to state governments. And when they vote, to flip that state, a lot of law enforcement is about to change and same with the states across America. So the Black Lives Matter movement, in my opinion, was one of the greatest movements, I think, in American history. And it showed that people can change with their voices. Right. And um, there's an issue with definitely with voter suppression, I believe, um, that may have existed in Georgia, like modern day voter suppression, but I honestly, I couldn't talk much about it. I don't know the full details, but yeah, uh, definitely like the youth vote, the youth vote and the public opinion definitely played a role in this election, right? Uh, so if we look at 
kind of break down the major issues and themes that have been running this year. The first is the coronavirus pandemic, uh, where no domestic issues were being addressed, but the administration largely kind of messed up their handling of the coronavirus pandemic, to no one's surprise. Uh, and then afterwards, the uh, Black Lives Matter movement, which is caused by the death of George Floyd. Uh, and it reinvigorated uh, kind of the focus of domestic issues back on what is the modern day racism that still exists in America. Uh, and it's obviously, it's, it's a very terrible thing um, that we as Americans um, have to address. Uh, and it's time for us to stop denying our history uh, and start accepting what is objective truth, uh, that black lives do matter, that black lives are being targeted, uh, and that we have to work towards their assistance, both in the criminal justice system and uh, spending in education. Um, such they're not targeted as much anymore and they get equal access to opportunity as white Americans do today. Uh, so yeah, definitely, absolutely. And what are your thoughts on um, just kind of uh, how we can shift public opinion in favor of BLM? Like, do you have any ideas around that? We can have a little discussion about that. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to public opinion, right, we can't, we, it's, it's, it's possible to, influence as many people as possible but it depends on if they're going to agree with you or not at the end of the day right the black lives matter movement did change a lot of perspectives in my opinion people started to see oh this is what they've been going through for such a long time i think it's time for change and i think one way to make sure public opinion is changed or you want to affect it is through youth advocacy right here at march for our lives ashburn we do a couple of things such as we run a blog, we, we use our voices to influence others through social media, we hold member events, and all of these things combined, it's, it's kind of like a movement in its own. Once, once we opened up a chapter here, I think it's starting to gain a little bit of traction around our area and trying to, we're trying to make sure that, look, public opinion is, is hard to change, but if we use our voices at least, even if we're small, I think it'll affect some people. And I just wanted to touch on, um, shout out to March for Our Lives Loudon. They held their member event. It was a statewide member event. And 9,000 texts were sent to reminding Georgia voters to request ballots. 9,000 texts. That could have affected tons of public opinion right there to make sure that Georgia, uh, Georgia voters vote in the upcoming Senate uh, election. Uh, yeah, definitely. But uh, I think, um, at least in the area where we live in Loudoun County, uh, I'm pretty sure public opinion is mostly in favor of uh, BLM, A, due to the education we have here, uh, and B, just because of the diversity that exists within our region. But uh, my, my primary issue, uh, and something that we as an organization and as a nation should address, um, is the significant campaign of disinformation that's being published by um, the presiding presidency and those in power. Uh, so the main issue with BLM is not the movement itself, it's just that they've been labeled as what is quote unquote a Marxist organization uh, <laughs> that is attempting to overthrow America and get rid of American principles, which is absolutely what BLM is not about. Um, and news sites such as Newsmax and Breitbart are really negatively impacting the people. Uh, and uh, the, one thing that must be recognized is regardless of our skin color, regardless of our background, sexual orientation, gender, we're all Americans at the end of the day, right? Uh, we all share a common identity in that we're Americans. Um, 
and most of politics is just identifying what we should do with the shared identity that we hold. And I believe that it's time for us to recognize that certain people are not getting the same chances as other people. Uh, and the only way to do that is um, if we're able to give more money, actually, I'm not quite sure, like that's something we can have a discussion on. Like what are your takes in terms of educating uh, those who are disenfranchised and being used by Trump's, sorry, the, <laughs> the leader in power for his own um, usage? Repeat that. Could you? Repeat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Like, um, my, 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 my main issue is how do we deal with, like, disinformation, misinformation, uh, such that we'll be able to convince the, uh, the kind of president's base um, to convince them about the issues that face the African-American community? Yeah, disinformation has become a real problem. And it, the problem, as much as social media can help us out in spreading the message, it has its cons and when it could spread false information. I mean, uh, I myself have logged onto Twitter many times just to see the most um, unrealistic information that is put out there, the just continuous lies about the Black Lives Matter movement and how they're trying to just take over the government and make sure nobody has rights, which is which is false and there's a lot of ways to counter it but at the end of the day i think one of the main things we can do is try to help people to realize hey a what are their sources b is this seen as a conspiracy theory it has this been proven and i think also just to like put your put yourselves in other people's shoes and see okay what are they trying to do here and why are they doing this? If if you can see that, I think we can all agree that Black Lives Matter is not a Marxist movement. It's a movement to make sure that their voices are heard and to stop systemic racism. Mm, yeah. No, no, I think at least from my perspective, like trying to logically debate with them is foolish because everything will be labeled as fake news or <laughs> kind of uh, published from the deep state. That's why companies actually publish real information. It's now established as fake news such that um, the voters are convinced that they're in the circle of truth while everyone else is false. Well, the reality is quite the opposite. So for me, the main way we can solve this issue is by getting the governing parties or those who are convincing um, the voters to go against a movement to kind of uh, like convince or help lead their voters in the right direction because unless we get the public officers i mean there's there's a tandem right so first there's the people who choose the public officers and then there's the public officers who convince the people to choose them so if we can get those in power to convince um the voters their specific voter group to support a movement that's empirically very good for uh those who are disenfranchised then i think that's the best way to solve the issue but it's, it's really going to be difficult just because of how much disinformation occur exists and how many people are <laughs> Like in reality, how many people are against the uh, movement? Um, so it's it's time for the conspiracy theories to for us to get rid of the conspiracy theories. And if there's a strategy for it, I honestly don't know. Yeah, I I mean, again, it's hard to debate against those people, but I feel like debating is not the answer. We just need to educate as much as you can. If they're if they're not going to listen, there's there's a certain limit to where we can influence them. If they're not going to listen, I feel, I feel they, were, they will listen in the future. And 
it's I think as a whole, when it comes to educating people and making sure misinformation just doesn't happen, you just you just have to continuously use your voice, use what you believe in, and make sure you have your sources, make sure it's factually correct. And overall, I think it will influence the people that want to listen. Mm, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting for sure. Yeah, those are some interesting points on, you know, misinformation and voter turnout and Black Lives Matter movement. So you might be wondering, um, how are some ways that I can make change? Well, here at March for Our Lives, well, actually, what is March for Our Lives? Well, it's a student-based organization that engages its chapters to create change, right? We're here to make sure that we support legislation to prevent gun violence. Uh, we support for law enforcement reform, and we want to make sure our communities are kept safe. And all of these changes add up to making a peace plan to create a safer America, right? So at March for Our Lives Ashburn, this is a chapter uh, that is... Um, that is part of March for Lives Virginia and March for Lives National. And we're here to spread awareness and information throughout our community, right? So currently during the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, we have been doing a lot of our stuff virtually, right? Uh, we have our own blog, we have social media, we have um, member events, and we also work with March for Lives Virginia. And all that together, it just helps us to make sure we spread our voices. So um, in order to make this successful, we need people interested like you, if you're in the area, to make change and join our chapter. Or if you're not in our area, go change, go make change and join other chapters for March for Our Lives and not limited to, but other nonprofit organizations, which you think will help you um, expand your voice into the community. And I believe that if we, if everybody at least takes this chance to join something that they are proud of or something they wanna advocate for, um, with so many numbers, you can always make change. And I believe that's the best way to go. And yeah, definitely. So thank you guys so much. Uh, it was a good conversation overall. I like talking to you about this. Um, and I hope we were able to uh, kind of have a conversation that probably let you guys know what we think about BLM. Um, but maybe give some thoughts on, uh, or like think about, for you to personally think about uh, misinformation and how you can fight it. Um, and then, you know, like just work on spreading the message, spreading the good gospel. Um, and, you know, uh, yeah. So thank you so much. I hope you guys tune in next week. And it's, it's been a pleasure, pleasure talking to you all. Uh, signing out. Sure yeah. Thank you for listening to the March for Our Lives Ashburn. This is Anani here. <laughs>